Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, my name is Ron Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Words Podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race Podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race Podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Hello and welcome to the Cuts of the Race podcast. It's me, James, again. Ollie is away, but as ever, I have my ever-faithful panel of Sam and Abby. Sam, I'll throw to you first. How are you? Bonsoir. I'm I'm good, thank you. Uh, I, I don't know how to say I'm good, thank you in French, so that's ending there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all good. Can't complain. How are you, James? I'm all right, thanks. Ça va, merci. There you go, you learned something. Uh, ah, Abby, uh, answer in any language that you'd like. How are you? Estoy bien. ¿Y tú? Sí. <laughs> I know it's Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't remember any other words. <laughs> ¿Cómo estás? Uh, yes, I- I'm all right, thanks. Uh, well, I mean... Flemish. Yeah, I was going to say, no one, no one answered in Dutch. Probably because none of us... I mean, equally, this would be the kind of thing that I would expect Abby to be like, oh, yeah, I speak Dutch for a minute. And it's just... <laughs> I speak seven languages. Come up. No, Dutch isn't no? a language okay. I speak. It's uh, it's an interesting language. Uh, but it's also produced an interesting race. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's contender for race of the year, I think. We're going to get into it properly in depth soon but let's start as ever with our weekend rating abby what was your rating for the dutch grand prix weekend six out of ten using the mckenzie scale i hope yeah it okay it was good but i didn't find it like amazing 
I feel like you guys think it was a lot better than what I think it was. Yeah, I mean, all right, I'm Ollie mm. has described it as a race of the year when he spoke to us earlier. Uh, yeah. I would say a lot went on, but I know what you mean. There were lulls, maybe. But before I give my rating, uh, I'll throw it to Sam. Yeah, see, I'm not to be all Natalie and Brulia about this, but I'm a little bit torn. I. <laughs> Again, a reference that he's probably not going to get, um, but I think it was I, th- I think it was better than Abby is giving it credit for. But using Mackenzie scale, I don't think it was race of the year category or weekend of the year, anywhere close to that. And yet again, um, not to you know be a broken record or anything like this, um, but F two, even though they only got one race in over the weekend, also did some heavy lifting. So. Mm. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 uh, when all is said and done because there were brilliant moments across the weekend without it being a brilliant weekend per se. I know what you mean. Uh, I'm still going to go a little higher. I'm going to go 7.5. Uh, I, I know there were... I think we're, we're sometimes... Our, our, expe- our expectations are too high. And in your... run, I mean, there was a lot going on. There were... It was wet out of nowhere as well and like that i can't remember another race where there was it was lap one and by the end of lap one it was soaking wet and no one had expected it beyond maybe yeah like i think we were talking before the recording about the 2007 european grand prix something like that where it's just caught everyone out uh and then they've had to improvise and obviously went back onto dries and then back onto wets and then yeah i i think that and then some interesting results in qualifying i'm going to give it a 7.5 it was a good weekend i'm not discounting that but with the race it was it was a good start and then it had a good ending but then in between to me it was just a bit like meh the middle was yeah Yeah. Yeah. a a few but even then there weren't too many drs trains like lewis and lando were managing to cut through the pack but again there's the caveat of course of it always looked like max was going to win give or take you know, a couple of crazy maybe moments with tyres and such. Uh, and the first five laps where obviously he had to make up time on Checo. But that, that I don't know if we can keep I mean, taking off points for Max winning because otherwise, like, it's just going to be really depressing. Um, we'll, we'll certainly get to the Max and Checo bit. But like, for me, I, I, I kind of wanted Max to win. And I, want, I think I want him to win in Monza. I, I want him to win 10 races in a row. I want to see it happen. I want to see that dominance and enjoy that as someone who isn't traditionally a Max Verstappen fan. I I know what you mean. Um, Equally, I quite like... Max has got quite a lot of records already and I feel like he'll have a lot more in the future. So I quite liked Seb having that one. So I think I was... And it was nice that it was in in the Netherlands and he got to celebrate that on home soil. I think I'd like him to not make it 10, though. I think I'd like that as a shared record. But... Let's not get into that now. And I mean, we've we, we've spoiled our own race review, uh, but equally, everyone knows who wins these days. <laughs> but before the race came, well, the rest of the weekend. Uh, so, Abby, do you want to take us quickly through at practice? Because there was a bit going on. There was. So FP1 was quite a quiet session. You had Robert Schwartzman in the Ferrari replacing Sainz for the session and Stroll had an issue so he didn't get to do much running. But it was FP2 where everything kind of came to the climax because you had 
Hulkenberg potentially impeding Verstappen at turn 13. Science had a moment in the gravel at one point. But there was a red flag because Piastri crashed at the banked corner of turn three. And Ricardo was coming round. And to avoid Piastri's McLaren, he also crashed, which resulted in Ricardo breaking a metacarpal in his left wrist or his left hand, and he was out for the weekend, and it was Liam Lawson taking the Alpha Tauri seat for the Dutch Grand Prix weekend. And then FP3, it was a wet session. There was another red flag because Magnussen lost the rear at turn three and landed in the barrier. Joao also brought out a red flag, and Lawson also brought out a red flag after touching the barriers as well. But the main talking point was the crash between Piastri and Ricardo and the turn three barriers. I mean, Liam Lawson's red flag wasn't really a red flag because he got it going again. There you go. But rewinding to what led to Liam Lawson even being in the car in the first place, surely if Piastri has crashed there, is Daniel Ricciardo not going too quickly? Well, they showed that the yellow flag was... It came out basically at the point where he hit the brakes and he was already committed to the corner. And then the I would say though, like we've seen so many people take the inside line round there, Fernando to great effect in the race. It looks a little bit like Daniel panicked. I think I feel like he, everyone was like, oh, you know, there's nothing he could have done. I feel like there's maybe something he could have done. Like he didn't even get close to Oscar and bail out at the last minute is it a bit of that kind of he's maybe not mentally completely match fit yet or race fit could it be could could, could there be an element of that that you know obviously his reactions maybe haven't kind of got back up to speed completely i don't i don't know i'm just kind of spitball here but either way yeah it was, a, it was a, a rare and nasty incident um and Hopefully Daniel Ricciardo is not out for too long. It should only be six weeks or so usually for these kind of injuries to heal, uh, which should be fine because Liam Lawson's next Super Formula weekend is the weekend of the Mexican Grand Prix, which is the last weekend of October, which is two months away. So, in fact, yeah, two months to you know as of the day, the race day of the Dutch Grand Prix. So, got plenty of time there to get back in the car. He will be in the car next weekend, almost certainly. Um, but what was interesting is there was some debate beforehand as to whether or not it would be Liam Lawson in the car. Guys, what do you think about the rumour that it could have been Nick DeVries? I don't think there was any weight to that at all. They just got rid of him and they said that they wouldn't put Lawson in the seat when they were talking of who was going to replace DeVries because they didn't want to interrupt his Super Formula season. But now he has this break between Super Formula races. It was only logical to me to put Lawson into the seat and I'm glad that they did put him in the Alpha Tauri seat and he got his drive in F1. But yeah, I don't think Nick DeVries would have ever returned to Alpha Tauri. It would have been very neat for him to get his home Grand Prix, but yeah. No, I don't think it was ever, ever going to happen. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of worked out quite nicely for Red Bull in a sense that they've at least had, they're going to have an equal barometer of 
Nick, uh, sorry, Nick, well, yeah, Nick versus Yuki, but then Yuki versus Daniel and Yuki versus Liam. And they've kind of got a lot of information now for who they want to put in which race seat next year by the end of the season without having to demote anyone else in true Red Bull fashion. And also, I think this opportunity is obviously a good weekend for Liam Lawson to get his stripes in very difficult conditions. A, a wet FP3, straight into quali, uh, for a car that's set up for someone else, right? And then the race that was, you know, changeable conditions, difficult, and also physically a very demanding track. Uh, so a, a tough ask for Liam Lawson. But next weekend he gets an easy run of things. He gets the full weekend to get ready for it. Um, and also Monza is physically less demanding, even if the temperatures may be quite, you know, kind of quite warm there uh, in Italy. But yeah, he should potentially have a De Vries-like sub- substitute appearance uh, when the, uh, yeah, when they get racing in Monza. Hmm. Uh, but before, before we get ahead of ourselves uh, and move on to Monza, let's go for just one session. Uh, Abby, what happened in quality again? Pretty eventful. It certainly was. So in Q1, you had Hulkenberg and Verstappen going over the gravel at one point. Leclerc had a terrible Saturday going off uh, turn one, I think, like four times in total throughout FP3 and the whole of qualifying. He was then also at risk of being out of Q1. Uh, Piastri and Science had a near miss as Science was coming out of the pits. He didn't, or he said that he didn't see Piastri being there. Hamilton was also impeded by Stroll. And it was Joe, Ocon, Magnussen, Bottas and Lawson out of Q1. Yeah, I I think the take home for me was Leclerc's kind of quite severe dressing down kind of lecture of his team saying like, look, we need to make sure that we get the, the the car in the right place. We need to have the tires ready. Like these are the basics. These are the non-negotiables. And I've I've said it. I've said it before, and I tweeted it yesterday, uh, or X'd it, whatever you want to call it. Um, the Ferrari drivers are, are having to do too much. Carlos Sainz is coming out of the pits into the path of Piastri. Isn't told that Piastri is there. It, it's quite difficult for him to then be able to have that spatial awareness as soon as he's got onto the track luckily Piastri took avoid an action but that's exactly the kind of thing the team need to tell him or they need to be able to forecast oh yeah well Piastri's going to come around and you're going to meet and hold him for a few more seconds or whatever the Ferrari guys are having to do too much from the cockpit I don't know if they're the kind of drivers that have that capacity to do that the Fernando Alonso-esque in that sense but yeah, it's just, it's a running theme now. It's almost becoming a bit of a joke, a bit of a bit. Oh yeah, we all sound like broken records, <laughs> but it just needs to be fundamentally like restarted, basically, I think, the the operational side of Ferrari. Uh, yeah, no, and I agree with that. And, and Charles is becoming more outspoken, but I think that's a good thing. Like people said he needed to do that more. You know, you hear how Max and Lewis and Seb in the past have been like, to get stuff done and it does feel like Charles, uh, whether or not he's been listening to what people have been saying about him or decided to do it do it off his own back he he's try he's turning into what feels like a team leader but equally yeah carlos has to do the same as well it's like yeah the drivers are both the team leaders for the entire team 
but yeah, I mean, Charles had a, a lucky escape to get out of Q1. Lewis also had it. Yeah, it was a little bit close for comfort. It was a bit of a warning sign for Mercedes, but one they didn't heed, Abby. No, they didn't, because Q2 got worse for Hamilton. He ended up aborting his final flying lap, and which meant that it was Stroll, Gasly, Hamilton, Sonoda and Hulkenberg all out of the session. But Hamilton was also impeded by Sonoda during Q2, and Sonoda did get a penalty for that. But it did mean that Logan Sargent got into Q3 for the first time this season, which was the reason why Gasly was bumped out of Q2. Atta boy, you know what? I reckon he's going to have a good weekend from there. <laughs> oh, your pick for Rookie of the Year, wasn't it? I think. <laughs> We've still got time. Like, what, what, one of We've them is time. out of the race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, One of them's gone, but a new challenger has emerged. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, no, I think that was that was a great moment for Logan. It's, it's a shame what followed. Um yeah, it was a very messy session for for Lewis. I mean, yeah, he, he got impeded in Q1 as well. And then yeah, I, I think actually, yeah, I think he probably would have scraped through without that uh, impeding from Yuki because he was what, eight hundredths off and he lost, I think, three tenths in the in the final sector. But either way, yeah, it was it was just poor choice of timing from Mercedes I guess they were trying to avoid a red flag but it's just I don't know I mean we'll get on to more about Mercedes strategic calls over the weekend so let's just push straight on to Q3 and well Abby what happened to Logan once he made it into Q3 for the first time he ended up bringing out the red flags because he did crash and at that time only Albon, Sergeant himself, Science and Russell had set a time but the session was suspended and then when it got going again another red flag was then brought out because Leclerc had crashed into the barriers after understeering and stopped on the side of the track. So it was Verstappen on pole no surprise there. Uh, Norris on the front row, then Russell in P3, Albon P4, Alonso P5, Science P6, Perez P7, Piastri P8, Leclerc in ninth, and Sargent in tenth. Can we do the thing that we always talk about on qualifying, please? Can we please talk about Sergio Perez? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a big gap. 1.3 seconds. On a 70-second <laughs> circuit. <laughs> he just... He's, yes, he's now getting into Q3. He's, 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 got, he's, he's broken that. But he just is not... Something has happened. There's this men, mental block for him. Yeah. It's like the opposite of a purple patch. <laughs> Whatever that is. A red What's patch, an orange patch. On the, uh, <laughs> the colour well, The opposite is, is yellow, but... A yellow patch. <laughs> like something else. Um, yellow yeah, snow. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It, like, Checo has never been great at qualifying. Like, we all know that. And, yeah. I think when he first came into Red Bull, it was like, oh, Max will have him on qualifying, but maybe he'll be able to fight him in the races, was kind of the the public consensus. And he just looks so far away, though, now. He was always the the standard kind of, same as Alex and 
Pierre kind of three to four tenths off, but now he's so, so far away. Like he's just taken a step back. And yeah, like you say, he's getting into Q3, but he may as well not be there a lot of the time. And Red Bull are now starting to walk back that he's definitely going to be, or at least Helmut Marco is seemingly walking back that he's definitely going to be there next year. Your seat is never certain until you're sat in that seat in Bahrain. Your seat is not certain with Red Bull next season. I fully believe that. And what if Liam Lawson has a brilliant three or four races? What if Daniel Ricciardo comes back, has a brilliant three or four races to end the season? If If you're Red Bull... I'm going, well, we'll leave Yuki where he is because we like the progress he's making and, you know, why change? Move Daniel up, let Liam get a run out. You know, there's, I don't think it's an unreasonable expectation that it could happen. Yeah, no, I don't think so at all. And I mean, yeah, I don't think they're going to put Liam anywhere near Red Bull <laughs> on the back of eight races. I think they've learned that <laughs> lesson. But but yeah, no, as you say, it, they are uh, there are drivers waiting in the wings and maybe that's the pressure that's getting to him. But I've mentioned Alex uh, in a slightly negative uh, sense, but he deserves a lot of praise. He dragged a Williams to fourth on the grid. Which I mean must be their best since what? I mean I don't know if anyone has that stat off off the top of their head, but I'm guessing Lance Stroll's debut season maybe 2017. No, George Russell P2 2021 Belgium. Of course, and we never got to see the fruits of his labour. Yeah, (laughs) Um, of course, but but yes, nonetheless. But also, what I think an even more surprising statistic is that it equals his best ever. qualifying performance and he spent a year and a half at Red Bull which just says the the things that he's managing to do at Williams and and the confidence and the uh, and how far he's come but but also what's really interesting about Williams over the weekend you had a wet dry qualifying and the Williams was quick in both conditions but even more significant than that this is a track that Alex himself had said is probably in the bottom fifth of tracks for us Williams like a low down force, quick circuit. And whilst Anvil is quick, it's not low down force. So it's an interesting, you know, it's interesting to see that the the developments and the improvements they've made in the car are clearly making it much more well-rounded. And you're starting to see that because, again, even Logan Sargent was, was looking quick before his crash. So, yeah. Uh, there's a lot to be kind of said there about their performance, but also moving on to crashes uh, from the Logan Sargent point. Do you guys feel like there are more crashes in qualifying or at least Q3 than there used to be? I feel like this is kind of increasing and Charles Leclerc is always good for a, for a mistake in Q3, but I don't know. I just feel like we've had this format for what, 15 years or so now. And I feel like it's becoming more of a, a uh, red flag is becoming more of a likelihood. I mean, that's partially, yeah. Red flags obviously have increased exponentially through safety. But in terms of crashes, I think you're right. I think certainly compared to the last five or ten years. Yeah, I think that I happened. feel like there's been a lot more this year that I can remember as opposed to 2022. 
Is it the cars? I mean, the cars aren't diff- that different from last year. Is it the drivers? A lot, I mean, look, James, you make a really good point in terms of a lot of it will be down to the officiating. Well, whether or not they're crashing a little bit in the race. But before the race, let's get to the world-famous Formula Nerds National Anthem Review. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So it was, of course, the Dutch national anthem, which we've heard a lot this year. Uh, We're all pretty well acquainted with it. What did you guys make of this particular rendition? You know what? I actually really liked it. It was with Andre Roux and the full orchestra, whilst the outfits were a little bit questionable and reminded me of, like, Cinderella. Um, I enjoyed it. It It was good. It sounded a lot better before the race than it does normally on the podium. Um, but yeah, I quite liked it. So I've given it an 8 out of 10. Wow. That is that is a lot higher than your weekend rating. <laughs> this was That was really the best point of the weekend for you, wasn't it, Abby? Yeah. All downhill from there. <laughs> I mean, Andre Rue, like, you know, you can't mock it. That is bringing out the star power. Yeah. You know, yes, Damien Lewis. There's no is. will I am. Oh, <laughs> Oh, that song! <laughs> I run. I just, I just, I just can't with that song. Um, but I was going to say he's not Damien. I mean, Damien Lewis is a fantastic actor, but his uh, British national anthem was uh, it left uh, something to be desired. Uh, it was great from the Andre Rue perspective, and they did it justice. And I love the stat that apparently it is the oldest national anthem still in use. It's like five hundred years old or something like that, and. But I just couldn't get past the outfits. And I said to Ollie earlier, it looked like they were going to prom. It looked like adults going to prom. It was kind of creepy. And actually, um, upon further reflection of the outfits, I realised that what it reminds me of is the final scene, the big ball at the end of Beauty and the Beast, where, of course, Belle is the belle of the ball. Um, And I now can't unsee it. That was also my first thought uh upon oh, see, once the, the outfits yeah. and yeah i mean you're waiting for the the candle stick and the i can't remember i haven't seen that film <laughs> since i was like six but yeah to, to appear from behind guest. Uh, yeah. stefano oh, what's the candlestick called i used to love that film lumiere yes oh fantastic <laughs> i was about to swear there i was so excited <laughs> yes what a great film and chip our little chip oh. okay we're not here for your rating of sorry <laughs> what, it's, a gra- it's, a gra- it's a great film there's no one like no um <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna give it a six out of ten because 
whilst it was effortlessly performed, the outfits were silly, and we've I've heard I've heard the anthem too much now. I'm kind yeah. of immune to it. I have absolutely nothing to add. That that's pretty much verbatim what I think I would have said. So I'll go six out of ten as well. Uh, and let's crack on to the race because I mean, there's a lot to cover there as well. So yes, I mean, let's start at the start. Lights out, and it was dry-ish for about what thirty seconds. Do we think? If that, they're talking about it starting to rain as they were like pulling away. Yeah, and the entire grid was on soft tires except Lewis Hamilton, who was on medium. And obviously, yeah, there were they were to, they were talking about that, and you could see the drops on the camera. But it it came out of nowhere, and they weren't really talking about it. it was like, oh, it, it could be a deluge any second. They were talking about oh, it's starting to spit. What's going to happen? But yeah, halfway around the lap and you couldn't see the cars and they were all tiptoeing round and it was I mean it was an amazing first lap of the race. What did you think, Abby? It was a very entertaining and exciting first lap of the race. I was a bit nervous with the rain because I thought this is gonna cause a lot of chaos and drama. But it did make it exciting. We had obviously Verstappen kept the lead on the first lap, but Alonso made a great overtake, which was a highlight of the race for me. Uh, Sam, so he's I know already you got what, that. like three overtake of the month awards, and that's probably going to be another one, isn't it? But like around the outside, around the inside, double. Oh, I, 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 I don't fan girl often because I'm neither a fan nor a girl, but what a move. I'm so glad you mentioned Abby. Absolutely. I think that is probably my favourite move of the season so far. And Admittedly, I can't think of any other overtakes that have happened at all so far this year <laughs> off the top of my head. It's just that one is living in my head rent free. Yeah, it was great. Uh, but yeah, so then that obviously gave us the question uh, once it became apparent that it was pouring. Who was going to come in? Uh, Max carried on. Uh, most of the, the leading cars carried on. Now, who was the, the first to pit? Was it Perez? Yes. Yeah, hmm. he was the leading car to pit. And it looked like a bit of a gamble, but I, I remember thinking I would go for that right now if I were a lot of the grid. There were quite a few yeah. people out of position to some extent. You know, Charles ninth, Lewis is thirteenth on mediums. I I was waiting. I was looking at Ham on the side, waiting for it to say in pits or, and then he he sailed past. And we're talking about Mercedes strategy. I think that was the worst call. Obviously, we can then go on to talk about how long they left them both out. But as a, a definitive call, I have no idea where they kept Lewis out because he was going to struggle the most of anyone on cold mediums. Yeah, it's an interesting one as well because, I mean, I guess there's that kind of like in for a penny, in for a pound kind of feeling with their strategy. And they said it before the start of the race. If it rains early, they're going to want to try and see it through and they're going to want it to be light because otherwise that completely negates the whole purpose of starting on the mediums. You'd, you'd be a bit annoyed by you know, that call. I thought was interesting is the second drivers all came in. I mean, the Verstappen one's obvious. You're in the, we, We've said this a million times now. If you're in the race lead, you can't make that gamble. It's yeah. That's the thing that the guys behind do. And you wait for everyone to then come past you in the pit lane as well anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it just doesn't work. But Perez was the, um, was the trailing rebel. He came in first. Leclerc, was the second Ferrari. 
he came in as well. So why didn't Mercedes bring Hamilton in? Is yeah. it was yeah, a no-brainer for me. I mean, <laughs> he it was he, he was thirteenth. I mean, he actually had quite a good start, but then got kind of boxed in. And obviously, his we know the Merc doesn't warm up its tires particularly well. So he then obviously fell back down to thirteenth where he'd started. And yeah, you're saying about oh, obviously that was their kind of counter strategy, their offset strategy for the race was putting him on the mediums. And yeah, you'd be a bit annoyed, but equally, it's given you the opportunity. It's given you a better opportunity than you would have had. The the medium is for a dry race, so just sack it in, yeah. take a risk. What worst case, you end up six places back. Yeah, you, yeah. Best case, he, he would have been second to Perez. And also, how many times have we seen teams get suckered into again and again and again this whole forecasting what might happen? when we know that realistically the quickest way around a track across across race distance is to be on the correct tire at the correct time. Yeah. And, it and was if that was pouring. Like yeah. I mean the fact is Checo was in the lead within what, a lap, I think. Yeah. By the time that obviously Max had then pitted a lap later. Yeah. Uh, again, Red Bull making all the correct strategy calls. Yeah. Uh it was yeah, he was up to fourth, I think by the end of that lap, having, what, gained 30 seconds. In defence of Mercedes, and this is an odd defence of Mercedes, Ferrari didn't mean to bring Leclerc in. So it looks like a that was terrible... Him leading the team again. That was him leading the team. Admittedly, he told them what seemed from the, the radio that he told them as he was basically in the pit lane, oh, yeah, by the way, guys, hello. <laughs> surprise i'm here um so to be fair it, it was a miracle seemingly that they actually had anyone in the pit lane at all ready to greet him so that's what transpired was the reason for that poor stop um, yeah i mean obviously it's so, a yeah. standard thing everyone's like oh ferrari being useless again but uh, i mean charles said after the race and it was what i felt was probably the case yeah it was a very late call but he thought he stood to gain more and they did gain more even with having no tires ready because as we saw Checo made up over 30 seconds in one lap. Abby, uh, who were you waiting for to come in that didn't? Well, I was waiting for Hamilton to come in, as you guys have discussed. But then also Russell, because he, he and Norris were battling for the lead, but then Perez obviously took it. And then it was like lap four that Russell came into the pits, which was a lap later than Norris. And he went straight on to the hards, I believe. Was that the time he went onto the hards? Well, no, he went what, on lap four. Into, yeah. yeah. He went onto the inters. And it it was just confusing because you had all of the cars, apart from the Mercedes and Stroll, pitting early on. And you could see that the rain was getting heavier. And I think some of the terms that they used were like um drizzle and light drops of rain, but then it just came down so fast. And it was baffling to see why they waited and obviously for Russell his race started great and then went from bad to worse it's that thing of being obsessed with the radar again isn't it rather than just looking at the the screens even not even out the window like we could all see it at home like it is so wet just bring them in Uh, and it wasn't just Mercedes McLaren also very slow to react well it's like they kind of say that sometimes like the reason why the pit walls are on the pit walls right is that traditionally you could just stick your hand out yeah, it's raining. Like, yeah. so it's it's that you know being too busy looking at the screens to yeah actually be aware of that environment around you, and 
it was a criticism I levied against McLaren at the time, but I think that kind of is, is also needs to be levied against Mercedes, is that being caught between two masters, not coming in, and then kind of doubling down and being like, well, we've 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 missed it now. We're going to yeah, try and hold true. out. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, fine, good, right? But then coming in and you've like you've just given up any any advantage you may have gained by making the incorrect decision in the first place. Well, the only person who did pretty much stay out the entire time was Alex Albon. Here's our litmus test for what would have happened. I mean, in the end, he ended up a bit back on where he started. Um, So maybe, yeah, maybe that was... But ahead of Norris. But yes, exactly. Ahead of Norris, who eventually pitted for Inters, as did Piastri. And then you had the Mercedes and the McLarens both outside the point suddenly having to fight back through, which would be the tale for the rest of, well, for at least the next kind of 30 to 40 laps. Yeah, but I mean, a couple of things that are obviously of note in that period as well. The big one obviously being Logan Solomon's crash, and we'll get onto that in a second, but I want to bring this back to Sergio Perez for a second because what else would I want to talk about? He has, by the time Verstappen emerges in the pits, or no, by the, by the time Verstappen takes second place from Zhou, Guan Yu, on lap seven, Perez is just under 11 seconds clear. He is clearly hoping that more rain comes sooner rather than later and he can eke the intermediates out, that the, the track conditions yeah. warrant intermediates. Verstappen makes the right call and he goes, you know what? No, I'm put, I'm taking I'm taking life out of these tires. I'm closing the gap. Within four laps, that gap is down to three seconds. And then it's time for for dry tires. What what on earth was going on on that side of the garage? That is a terrible, terrible call. Yeah, I mean that's a little bit of Captain Hindsight, I think. To be fair, I mean, if the rain did come and we saw how quickly and dramatically it could have come, then Max would have been screwed and would have had to pit again, and then we'd all be going, "Oh, look at him! What's he thinking? Going for it?" You know, there's, it's it's easy okay, to say fair. now, uh, yeah. but then that leads me nicely onto a point which was. Yeah, debated a lot in commentary, I know, with particularly Crofty. Why did Max Verstappen get to pit first as second Red Bull driver? See, I don't think this is uh, I don't think this is too controversial. I don't think it's too bigger. He's the championship leader. He is your team leader. He is the one that you're bank and banking on bringing out a performance. Yeah. You know, even with Sergio Perez 11 seconds up the road or after seven laps, nobody is sitting there going, yeah, over the next 65 laps, he's going to have at least 11 seconds measure of Max Verstappen. That's why I don't think it's, I don't think it's that, that controversial, if I'm being honest. I think, it, why wouldn't you? Abby? I think you can look at it and go Red Bull clearly favour Max it's Max Verstappen's racing team they're doing it to give him the advantage and no one knows like why they chose Max if if there is a general rule that says that the first driver gets the better option but it's Max Verstappen and 
like Sam said, he's the championship leader. So they're going to do everything they can to get him to have the best advantage in the race. Whether or not people agree with that or not is up for debate. No, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's a hugely controversial thing, but I do think, I, I take your point, Sam, but it's true. I think the way that I've always understood Red Bull and most teams to work is on a race-by-race race basis. And first driver always gets the first call. The lead driver gets the first call. And again, it's not like Max is in a, a tight championship battle with someone else at this point. Yes, okay, maybe... Maybe there was something in their mind about the the nine in a row, but I'm mostly just disappointed that we didn't... I mean, because he would have passed him, let's be real. But then at least we would have had an overtake for the lead as opposed to bringing in Max and then getting the undercut. Yeah, I mean, there could be an element of Sergio Perez has obviously eked out his tyres and he might be going, no, 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 I want to see what happens. I want to, I want to leave it as long as I can. He might have declined that first option. We don't, you know, I haven't listened back at the team radio. But as I said at the time, as, as, as I kind of tweeted at the time, I was really kind of hoping or I really felt that we might have a, a bit of a team orders issue. You know, if if, per- if Perez is in the lead, Verstappen comes up behind him. If I'm Sergio Perez, I'm not moving over. You want the race lead? Take it. Mm. You're going to have to do it the hard way. I feel like we were kind of robbed of that a little bit. Not that Red Bull should not pit their drivers when you should pit their drivers because we want it to be entertaining. That's fundamentally not how the sport does or should work, but I think you take my point. I would have liked Perez to have pitted first because then, like you say, we would have seen him have the advantage and Verstappen be forced to overtake him. And it would probably be a really easy overtake for Verstappen because nobody can battle him this season but that for me that's like one of the main takeaways Verstappen doesn't have to fight anyone not even his teammate so I would like the opportunities where he could have battled his teammate to be taken and then we can see an actual inter-team battle yeah. James, how much of Vettel's nine in a row do you remember? I think I mean it was the end of a season where he would, I think I'd He'd lost a bit it, of interest. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm, I mean, I've watched every race, but I don't, I can't say I remember that much of it. I remember India specifically and, and the celebration. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I can't say I, I remember the races specifically, individually. Cause I'm just trying to think, was it that easy for him? Like, was it like a real, like, oh, he's really had to fight for this? Because Verstappen, it kind of feels like an... It feels so inevitable every weekend. As far as I remember with with Seb, it was like he kind of... He got the better start and he pulled away to about two seconds ahead and then he just stayed there the entire race. It wasn't like 20 seconds that we have now, but equally, he took more of the approach that Lewis took in his era of dominance of take as little out of the car as possible and, you know, staying that two to three seconds ahead of beat your teammate or, yeah, maybe a little bit more if it's not your teammate. Max doesn't operate that way and I think that's what makes it seem particularly crushing and also that combined with, yeah, Checo struggling so badly at the moment and, I mean, yeah, eking out tyres and, yes, changeable conditions but 13 seconds gone 
is a lot, even if you're being kind to your tyres. Yeah, no. But, I mean, yeah, it just feels so brutal, the dominance. And again, I said this earlier in the show, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that. It's, 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 it's nice to see from time to time. But moving back to a point that I kind of mentioned actually a few minutes ago now, <laughs> Logan Sargent's crash, which brought out the safety car. Turns out it was a hydraulic issue that caused caused it. So it was not an unforced error, which me, you know, voting him rookie of the season uh, before the season got underway, is quite pleased about because, yeah, uh, it turned out he had no power steering. So veering yeah, off the did, road is, yeah. I did think it looked like a failure. Yeah, I mean, Karun put it down to a an error, but it just went straight on and his hands didn't really turn. So, yeah. Uh, that's not surprising. But yeah, it did mix things up. In a race that was kind of just ticking over at that point, uh, we had obviously Max had retaken his standard first position. And then, as I mentioned, we had Norris and Hamilton kind of slowly chipping away, working through. Uh, But then obviously, yeah, so Sargent has the crash and the safety car comes out and mixes things up again. Abby, what happened next? It certainly does. Well, Gasly ended up with a penalty for speeding in the pit lane, but Russell and Stroll came into the pits, and this was where Stroll went onto the mediums and Russell went onto the hards. And then on the restart, you had Verstappen being Verstappen, keeping ahead, and then you had Alonso and Perez behind him. But the interesting battle was outside the top three with Gasly and Sainz, because Gasly... He did have quite a good race, actually. Obviously, if you know the result, you can say that he had a very good race. But at this point, he was battling quite well with science. They did have a close call, but the Frenchman managed to keep the Spaniard behind. Another close call for Gasly, which I've actually just remembered. Did you guys see Verstappen's pass on him earlier in the race? Where he fully, like... I think Verstappen was lucky to get away with not getting a penalty for that. It... Reminded me of Martans and totally Behrman. Got that? Yeah, I was going to say in F two, and I was like, if Martans got a penalty for it, I think Verstappen should have got one. And Martans was a uh, yes, they made contact in F two, but Martans wasn't as bad. That no. was it felt very much like two drivers who haven't had much racing over the weekend learning. Or oh, actually, when you both take different lines you actually both end up in the same piece of track at the same time. Oh, oh dear. And James actually made the point to me um, during the F2 race that it felt a little bit like Martens was like, well, I felt like I got pushed into turn one, so I'm going to push you back into turn three. Yes, and it kind of sounded like he said that over the radio. He did. He said he did that to me just before or at the last corner, which is not true. He, like... Ollie Behrman was slightly ahead and understeering a little bit. Uh, and then, yeah, he just absolutely... Now, <laughs> maybe I'm a little bitter because I've nearly been crashed into by two Frenchmen in the last week. But it was just such a, such a difficult <laughs> French piece of radio. And I was like, mate, you just dive-bombed him. Come on. Victor Martins is catching some really unwarranted flack there from the... <laughs> The French road goes. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though, but, quick, very quick tangent. This guy was literally on the opposite side of the road 
uh, overtaking someone about 20 feet from me. I had to come to a stop for him to be able to get uh, back onto his side of the road. It was, uh, yeah, there's a reason they talk about the French and their driving abilities. Anyway, please don't kick me out of your country. Carry on, Sam. Sacre bleu. Um, Yeah, but with the Verstappen incident, he was going into the corner and he didn't didn't turn or break when he should have done. Given that Pierre Gasly had the high line, he knew where Gasly was going to be. It, it, it felt cheeky to me and I, th- I think he got away with it um but yeah anyway glad i got that one in there because yeah it was very verstappen-esque wasn't even noted was it no no it was verstappen-esque I, from 2017 or 2021 oh yeah <laughs> i was gonna say end of 21 <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean gasly as as we know, um, yeah, had had a great race, and credit to him for making up for for the penalty as well. He did make up for the penalty. Um, so there was one major twist left in the tail of this race, though. Uh, we it, it had been settling down. It looked like we maybe knew what the podium was going to be. Lonzo looked pretty comfortable third. Checo in second by this point, but then the rain came again, and just before that, actually. Alonso had a slow stop. Um, that's worth mentioning. But he absolutely smashed it and caught up immediately past, I think, yeah, Yuki Sonoda, who was flying high at this point, having not stopped. And then Carlos signs and was very quickly back into his provisional podium spot. And I remember someone in commentary debating, oh, is he just going for it because they know that the rain, rain is coming? Uh, He and I think Lewis were both just trading fastest lap times around that point. And, well, the rain did come. And what happened next? Absolute bedlam. So, yeah, around lap 61, starts raining and the vast majority of the field come come in for inters. Um, Apart from, (laughs) bless him, Esteban Ocon, who went on to the full wets. But Esteban Ocon could see what was coming more rain and it got increasingly wet and by lap 64 you had Perez going off a nice little Yui he managed to pull off there at turn one loses the position to Alonso in the process though manages to yeah not get any damage but he comes in to get full wet but in the time it took him to get round and into the pits Sonoda went off Hamilton went off all at turn one Joe properly went off, like aquaplaned straight into the wall, almost then was met there by his teammate Valtteri Bottas, which brought out what was at first the, the virtual safety car as Perez was coming in, and then a full red flag. So Perez, who'd dropped back down to, I think it was about sixth, that move was negated because obviously you, you wind it back uh, for the red flag. So he was then re-awarded his P3. Um, so, yeah, kind of got away with it a little bit there, but I guess everyone else would have come in for wet anyway, so it kind of you know, would have cancelled it out. Um, and, yeah, we had a, a pretty s- substantial red flag period um, when the weather was particularly adverse, because obviously, as we know, you can't really run in, in full wet conditions anymore. I think it would have been interesting to to see how long, like 
Joe was kind of the excuse they needed for the red flag. I wonder how long they would have waited or whether they were waiting. I'm sure they don't want to wait for someone to crash. That's the opposite of what you'd hope from a you know someone in charge of safety for a race. But it did kind of feel like they were just waiting for like, okay, someone's in the wall. Now we can red flag it. Um, I do well, wonder how long it would have taken otherwise. It's a fair litmus test, right? If someone crashes, it's too dangerous. If someone doesn't crash, then... They're under control, yeah. Yeah, like, is it therefore... Is it therefore because if someone crashed, it therefore too dangerous? You know, that, I think, you, yeah, you're right. That's kind of the, the tipping point, right? Yeah, So um, it, it was. And I think it didn't feel like the wrong decision. And I, I'm not saying that remotely. So, yeah, it was... It got it very extreme very quickly, though, again, even more so than the uh, the start, which was what we were expecting. It's what they were saying over the radios. And it was yeah, a surprise that only that many, I think, yeah, we, we mentioned the 2007 European Grand Prix earlier. And I was waiting for that to pile up to happen in turn one of, which we nearly had with the two alphas. Um, but no, they they did mostly survive apart from Joe. Uh, yes, <laughs> Checo actually also crashed on the way into the pits, uh, got away with that one as well. That's why they spent a while working on his car during the red flag, got it fixed in time, went back out, and then he promptly sped in the pit lane and cost himself a podium. Was his speeding, when was his speeding in the pit lane for? Was it because... I assume we, it was there from hitting the wall, actually, thinking about it. That's what I thought. So that's yeah. really interesting, though. Because he is the only one who came in, lost those positions, and then I was kind of being like, oh, well, kind of, you know, that was negated by the red flag, but actually it had a lasting legacy on his race. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, guess what goes around? Yeah, because I remember now thinking about it, seeing that replay, he hit it, and then obviously just kind of, he was aquaplaning, so he wasn't braking. And yeah, I think he he didn't slow down in time. So yeah, obviously it just took them a while with everything going on to, to check that, and we didn't get it until they got back underway. It was a rolling start uh, when they did get back underway. And George Russell took off. Like, he had heated up his tyres to perfection, overtook Lando Norris, looked like he might even threaten Lewis Hamilton, and then suddenly he's falling down the order. And he and Lando had come together. That make you very sad, Abby. It did. Because they, this race had so much promise for them, starting P2 and P3 and then just didn't work out but yeah Russell's race was kind of all over the place because at the beginning him and Hamilton were last and then he managed to work his way back through the field and then it looked like he was going to get a good result after battling with Norris but yeah they came together he had a puncture and was fell back fell to the back of the order and was forced to retire so then we had these final few laps uh and again, for about a lap, it looked like uh, Fernando might even challenge Max, but then Max got himself under control and the the front two were, were made nice and clear. But then it was a case of, could Pierre Gasly stay within the five seconds of Checo Perez that we knew he needed to for his podium, his first of the year, his first in quite a while, uh, much needed one. And also whether Lewis and potentially Lando behind him could get past Carlos Sainz. And the answer to those questions was respectively yes and no. I mean, I actually really... One of my the highlights of the race for me was Carlos Sainz's defensive of P5. 
that pressure that Lewis was putting him under in those final few laps, like he was, he was almost pushing him through corners. And yeah, he literally science, did once. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, and science, you know, kind of kept a, a calm head, kept kept it cool, kept it clean, and yeah, it was some some welcome tension towards the end of the race. Um, so yeah, fair play to Carlos Science because he uh, most certainly earned that P five. He did, uh, and Pierre Gasly also very much earned his P three, which I'm sure will do him the world of good. He and. Esteban now both have a podium and one you'd have to say they both earned on merit in changing conditions and tricky races and it's Alpine continue to go (laughs) all or nothing Uh, we'll see how the rest of the season works out for them with all their changes they've made over the summer but that's uh, a nice moment for both them and for Pierre of course but that's it so uh for all the chaos that happened, yes, it was still a Max Verstappen win. Yes, he matched the all-time record of Sebastian Vettel of a ninth consecutive race win. By the way, it's what, 14 in a row, I think now, for Red Bull, who just destroyed yeah. the McLaren record and left it in their dust. Um, but, Abby, do you want to quickly run us through the runners and riders uh, and the top 10? So the top 10 was obviously Verstappen, Alonso and Gasly on the podium. Perez was in fourth after his penalty, then Sainz in fifth, Hamilton sixth, Norris seventh, Albon in eighth, Piastri in ninth and Ocon in tenth. It was, and it's also worth mentioning that Liam Lawson finished above Yuki Tsunoda in the end, 13th and 15th respectively. So that is a very solid debut a very challenging well, situation. It certainly is, especially since he's had mixed weather conditions to contend with, especially with FP3, his first session being wet. He has had time in the in an F1 car, but I, he impressed me. He did. I'm glad to see him get his time in F1 and whether he'll end up being in F1 full-time soon. Who knows, but I feel like he has a good chance of it. It's a very good start. It was actually very equal to Daniel's first race back. I think they both finished 13th, potentially, and both showed a lot of promise. Uh, so we'll see if he can build on that. Uh, it's a good start for Liam, and I'm really happy for him, and I hope he pushes on with that. Uh, as I, I left you to read out the top 10, I will do the current championship standings. Uh, of course, Max Verstappen continues to run away with it. 339 points now to Sergio Perez's 201. And then you've got Alonso stretching his gap, which had come all the way down to one point uh, to Lewis Hamilton back up to 12 uh, and cementing his bronze medal a bit better than it was before then you got the ferraris carlos signs repassing charles leclerc george russell is still in seventh lando norris eighth getting closer still though and lance troll ninth and gasly moves above ocon into the top 10 by a single point and oscar piastri worth mentioning also there on 36 points level with ocon and i mean the constructors yeah red bull Oh, more than double anyone else uh, Mercedes what, 40 points ahead of Aston Martin now Ferrari 14 points behind them McLaren Alpine Williams Haas Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri and so finally drivers of the day guys uh, 
I'll start with you, Sam. Who was your choice? Oh, do I do I go really obvious, or do I not? I'm going to go obvious. Liam Lawson. You guys just mentioned him. I think he like had a quiet race, but he kept his nose clean. I think that the fact that he was barely on our screen is a good thing for him. And he had a couple of nice moments. Yes, Charles Leclerc had floor damage, but he made a couple of you know nice moves. He was mixing it with those around him uh, at the back of the field. And ultimately, yes, maybe um, triggered by a Yuki Snowden mistake, but he did finish ahead of Yuki. So you can't you can't knock his his weekend, particularly given the lack of running and the lack of preparation for it. So I'm very excited to see what, what comes in the next two or three rounds for him. Can't argue with that at all. Uh, Abby? Well, I actually came up with three, just in case, you know, they got stolen. So I was Is one of them George Russell? No. <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm not going to go with who was actually voted driver of the day, even though he does deserve it. I'm going to go with Albon because whilst he did end up behind where he started the race, I think you can tell from this weekend how well he settles into Williams and how well he thrives in that environment. And he did have some good battles on track. He made the softs last 44 laps. And yeah, I think he did a good race and a great qualifying. But, you know, yeah. Okay, well, this has left me sport for choice for once. Normally, if uh, if I'm choosing last, uh, you know, it's it's like, oh, yeah, he, he yeah, all right, he did not bad, actually. But, I mean, you've got the option of Max, who dominated despite chaos trying to rob him of uh, a record equaling win you've got fernando who was the official driver of the day obviously did a, a incredible overtake that's made sam very happy and forget all other oh, overtakes yes. and, uh, uh, and i also forgot that and claimed second pierre gasly third uh in the alpine Carl, uh, carlos signs Decent race. Lewis Hamilton, great recovery, despite Mercedes constantly trying to screw him over. There's there's a lot of contenders there. I actually don't know. Uh, I'm going to give it to... Right, Fernando's already got it from the people. Max has got his record. I'll give it to Pierre Gasly. Oh, thank God. I'm relieved. I was thinking, that how how on earth could Pierre Gasly get a podium from 12th in an Alpine and none of us give driver yeah. of the day? I was like, that would be really harsh. Yeah. So thank uh, you, yes, you're welcome. Uh, I do feel, I think if Lewis had maybe got uh, Carlos and then made up the five seconds, it, it, that could have been enough to, to push me, considering he was flat last by like 15 seconds at one point. But no, Pierre, very deserving as well. And... Well, that's it. That's uh, a chaotic race, even if it didn't thrill Abby throughout. Uh, I think it it had its plenty of moments. And well, we'll have to see now what happens in seven days' time in Italy. Yeah, I mean, Monza always entertains, or I feel like it always entertains. And also we've got, not only have we got more chaos for, for F2, I'm sure. Um, those of you who watched the feature race uh, today will know exactly uh, what I'm talking about. It's the championship that nobody seems to want to win this season. 
And we actually do have the championship deciding round in F3 as well. So you've got a packed weekend in Monza. So plenty of action to look forward to. Well, I am looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to talking about it again with you guys as well. But until then, Abby, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me and also for doing a great job as host. Well, thanks. Uh, I did my best at the end of a, a very long day. Came back up to Paris yesterday bit tired but we've made it through i think we've remembered and covered everything except maybe charles leclerc and his very slow fall to the back of the field and then retirement but there you go i've covered that now uh sam thank you for joining me as well well thank you very much both thank you for allowing me to talk about f1 and f2 goodbye everyone you're listening to the cut to the race podcast it's lights out and away we go Podcast Network.